0: Good morning. It's good to be here. Um, if you haven't been with us over the past few weeks, we are walking through a series right now uh, called Reform. Uh, it's discipleship for normal people. So if you if you're just abnormal, awesome, and have no problems, feel free to uh, be on your phone, do other things. But for those of us that feel like we're just normal, everyday people. Um, got a message for you this morning, and for myself. Uh, now, everybody in the room, please, please join in with me today as we walk through some scriptures. But today, the main thing that we're going to talk about, the main idea, the B, the bottom line up front, is sacrificial relationships. I think it's something that we all just think. You know what? When you wake up in the morning, you're like, you know what? This is the day that I get to sacrifice. This is the day that I just get to serve other people, and I just can't wait. Now, hopefully, hopefully that's some of you, but I think most of us, we wake up in the morning, and that's not, that's not our heartbeat, that's not our posture, and it is more of a, if we think about it at all, it's, Lord, please help me. There's a, there's a lot that's about to happen today, and I need you. There is a book by Timothy Lane and Paul Tripp. It's, It's called Relationships, A Mess Worth Making. If you think about all your relationships, I would say most of them are messy. I can think of one relationship in my life that I don't feel like is that messy, that kind of breaks the mold, and it's with my best friend Tony from first grade. We're still best friends. So it's just not that messy. Um, and probably it's because it was messy in first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and I just don't remember. But most of my relationships, for the people that are with me day in and day out, they would say, yeah, Mark, uh, relationships with you are indeed uh, messy and not the easiest sometimes. But, but just the title of the book itself, Relationships. It's a mess worth making. And it's not so much that I would uh, look to my wife Sherry when we're uh, out to dinner or realistically sitting in our rocking chairs. I, we're not that old, but sitting in our rocking chairs on the front porch uh, and looking at each other. It, it, I could look at her and, and I could say, Sherry, I would not want to make any messes with anybody else except you. I want my my most painful confusion, you know, relationship stuff, the burdens, the sacrifice, the all of this. I would want it with no one but you. Because the world the world is telling us something else, right? The world is telling us we need to look at our wives, our children, each other, and say, you know what? Uh, you have to make sure that it's not messy at all and I'm always feeling good about myself and you don't need anything from me, on and on and on. And it's not, not only is it not realistic, it's, it's, it's just impossible to live like that. So think about it. Do you have one relationship in your life that you would say, it's pretty messy? And then ask yourself, why is it? If it's just, he's an introvert, no, I'm not. You know, okay, I, I'm not going to put that too much in the messy category. But that might be for you because you get into some tension. Uh, do we want to go do this? Will we want to go do that? I don't. You, know, you can get into some tension, but bigger things, bigger things in life that really cause you to spin. Can you think of one person in your life that it feels messy? That requires for you to take a look and say, you know what, how could I specifically sacrifice in order for this relationship to be a little cleaner, knowing it's always going to be a little messy. But how can I contribute? How can I help this person or that person feel a little bit better about our relationship is one. But feel feel helped in society too, but ultimately as believers to know Jesus more and to to want to make Christ known more and more. Is there at least one person in your life that it doesn't feel messy? And if not, I would submit to you that you need to try harder in your relationships uh, and make a bigger mess. Make an effort, not to make a mess, but make an effort in that friendship, and there will be some mess. I have a few questions for us to think about. When was the last time you saw someone inconvenience themselves to serve you? Now again, it's not about us, but when was the last time that you actually noticed, I think they kind of sacrificed just then to serve me? The reason why I say it like that is because often we're not noticing people serving us because often we're expecting people to sacrifice and serve us. So just a little thing of encouragement. The next time you see somebody where you really feel like, I think they kind of went out of their way or they're kind of not living in their comfort zone for my good right now. There's this, there's this phrase that we used to talk about when I was a kid. It's something like, um, thank you. That's it. You know, thank you. Maybe say thank you I appreciate that. And they'll tell you, well, I appreciate you noticing, but at the same time, I'm going to do this for you. I love you. And can you count on more than one hand, can you count on more than one hand the amount of times you've said, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I really thought about it. What's a good number when I think over my lifetime? Is it, do I, do I, do I go to people that I know I've offended? I I know a lot of you in this room, and I know I've offended you at different times. And I have gone to you and said, I'm sorry, and you've forgiven me. But it's like, that's really not, I'm not constantly trying to think did I say I'm sorry? Or it's just cool. Oh, she seems cool. He seems cool. We're cool. I still need to say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Who is someone alive right now? I say alive because the answer is going to be Jesus. If we, He's alive, right? You're right. But like walking on earth right now, who is a living person in your life right now that you feel embodies healthy, sacrificial relationships. Just a a posture towards sacrifice and giving. From a place truly of love, Not, not I'm serving and giving so I can ultimately receive from you, but I feel like they're just really giving because the Lord is telling them to give, help, serve, sacrifice. Who's someone in your life that you notice that from? Shoot a text to them later on. Give them a call. Say, hey, I noticed this about you, and I just want to say thank you for being a good example. Thank you for loving me well. I'm going to, to ask a few questions. The main question I want to ask at this is going to be which one of these is harder for you? What is harder for you? Giving of your time to invest relationally into others? That's hard. Giving of your money and your possessions to help others, it's hard. Considering others better than yourself, that's really hard. Listening to others. If, if, if y'all could ask Sherry, what's one thing that you wish your husband did better at? It would be a long list. But if it was only one, it probably would be Listening, listening better. I think it would be on the top five. Right? Right. She's, she's nodding. It's true. It's true. I read a whole book on listening well and, and thought, great, I read the book. Um, I do, it's like it didn't, it didn't work. Lord, help me and help my wife and my kids. It's hard to listen. Being patient with others being patient with others. Some of you are really amazing and you're truly patient with people. Some of us aren't. Seeing the good in other people, not necessarily a sacrifi- sacrificial relationship, but there is something that helps you to sacrifice for others when you can see the goodness in them, Christ in them. It. When you see it, there's, there's, there is an attraction. There is a desire to say, hey, I, I want to help that person. Not even more, but just I really want to help them. I want to love them. I want them to continue to be someone who is doing good and loving well. I don't want to be a burden in their lives for no reason. Last question, which is harder for you? Is it hard at being flexible in the bendable things of life? Being flexible in the bendable things of life. There's a lot of things in our lives that are very bendable and okay. They're they're actually made to be bent. Or is everything to you a rigid stick that once it bends, it breaks. So don't. There's no flexibility in my life. It's got to be this, 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 this. For me to sacrifice a little bit, for you to have your way, or to to budge a little bit on this, that's hard for some of us. And I'm not even talking about what is true in scriptures. Yeah, it's not bendable. I'm talking about every. Normal, everyday things in life. It's a lot of places, and there's even more. What are some things that are just really hard for us? So let's think about relationships, sacrificial relationships. Are they just inconveniences that get in your way? I know some of us. It really is. Why does there have to be people? People. Um, right, right, you hear the last, it's like, maybe that's a, you know me, maybe. This place would be so much better if it wasn't for all the people. Or are people just something you use to make much of yourself, your plans, your ambitions, and your comfort? This is a sneaky one. Think about it. You have a lot, a lot of good plans, a lot of godly plans, a lot of godly ambition. But are you using people to achieve that, that end? I don't think that God, is, God will receive the ultimate glory, but I don't think he's glorified with these seemingly good results of whatever it is when the way we're treating each other and using each other to get those results does that make sense? It's not. It's it's not. Hey, the 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 end. It justifies the means. Jesus would say, no, no, it doesn't. I'm the king of the end. I used I used your unrighteous way of using people, and it's not good. Don't do that. The gospel is the gospel. I'm going to build my kingdom, but let's don't do that. Or just in your family using people just to get what you want. Have you been hurt by people? Have you been hurt by people? I can't not ask that question when we're thinking about sacrificial relationships. I believe all of us in this room have been hurt by someone. Have been hurt by, some of you have been hurt by many people. And so the thought at all about sacrificing for other people sometimes can be difficult. Because maybe you didn't have a father that sacrificed for you or a mother or a brother or a sister or anyone in your life. And so there might just be this this guard of protect myself if I serve. Because here's the thing, if I sacrifice and serve and give, I actually could become more vulnerable because I'm giving and I'm serving and they might not return that to me. It's tough. People hurt people, right? But even more so, there's a phrase that hurting people also hurt people. And so sometimes it is that, Lord, help me with the potential pain of my past is that something that's holding me back potentially for from relationships and sacrificing for others and entering into difficult things? I think that's a lot of us in the room in different ways, in different scenarios. Let me pray for us. Lord, I do thank you so much. I thank you so much for your word. And as we dive into your word and a lot of Passages here, God, I pray that you would help us to see Jesus, that you are the ultimate sacrifice. You are the ultimate one that has showed us the model of living sacrificially for others. But you live within us through your Holy Spirit, and you can help us. As Jake prayed, I pray that you would use your word, Lord to sanctify us, to lift us up. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So there were two prostitutes, one baby, one king, and a huge dilemma. In First Kings, let's read this together. In 1 Kings 3, 16 through 18. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. I I do want to pause real quick. I've heard this story. I cannot tell you how many times in my life. And I never noticed that sentence. I never realized that this was two prostitutes coming before the king. I just always heard the the rest of the story. I don't know if you're like me. Tell me later. Yeah, I've heard this story, never realized that. Mark, how could you miss it? Um, Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. And we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him on her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, No, the living child is mine, and the dead child is yours. The first said, No, the dead child is yours, and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, The one says, This is my son that is alive, and your son is dead. And the other says, no, your son is dead, and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, Oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the others said, He shall neither be mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered and they stood in awe of the king they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Divide the child. What a phrase. Good giggly. Divide the child. Terror. Instant terror for mom. An in instant resolve. I can imagine the flood of terror that flooded through the mother of the living baby. But we can also see the instant resolve, no hesitation. Oh, my Lord, give her the baby. Y'all would do that. I believe it. In the blink of an eye, her already crumbled world sunk deeper and deeper into deeper depths. She's probably, be, probably been at rock bottom her whole life. The story starts with her being at rock bottom, right? But her rock bottom continues to find new rock bottoms. She just keeps shattering and falling to ever deeper depths. I can feel... The scriptures don't say this, but I can, I, can, I can just feel, and so can you, the resolve of this mother. And as if she could speak to her child, she would say, the fight is over. The fight is over. I lose. I lose. But you can still win. My heart has been broken for years, but is now utterly destroyed. but your tiny precious body will be spared. You'll question my love for you, you will. and my commitment when you're older, you're going to, but I'm showing it to you right now. Showing it to you right now. I'm beyond dead. So you might be able to live a little. My heart yearns for you. That's what it says here in the scripture. My heart yearns for you, but it now must burn for you. I am ashes. There's no other way. No other way. Maybe this despair sunk deeper when she understandably Saw the flash of her own unplanned and unexpected joy. This this new baby, this new relationship. She's seeing this slip away. Maybe maybe this is a thought that she had. My hope, my hope was that at some point, my love for you, will be almost ba- be almost matched by your love for me. This this could have happened. My love for you, your love for me, maybe, maybe I would feel some love from somebody, but it would never be more because I love you more to the moon and back already. You see, I've never really been loved, really considered, cared for. I've been used, abused. I've been left I've been dehumanized. But you made my heart beat again. And you caused the me in me come alive. You've been, in a way, my salvation and light, in the midst of nothing but dark days and nights. So I'll drink this bitter cup for you, for your good. Still yearning for her baby and crying out to the king, Oh, my Lord, give her the baby. This story is to show the, the wisdom of Solomon. But oh my goodness, this story shows sacrificial relationship. Philippians 2, 1 and 11, this is what we read for our call to worship. So if there's anything, any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one, in uh, in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, In every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when we think about the story of this these moms and their babies and this king, this baby that's no longer alive, this baby that is alive. When you hear that story, who are you in the story? With the two moms and the baby. Who, who are you in that story? Not that we always have to find ourselves, but often that's what we do. It's like, I, I think I'm Solomon. We're, we're often the hysterical, baby-stealing mom. That's often who we are. The hysterical, baby-stealing mom of the story That's us in our relationships often with others. You see, she gets a bad rap, this lady, and she should. She did evil. She did evil to someone else. But Jesus sees her pain, her confusion. He sees her grasping for whatever So I can be satisfied. I will take someone else's baby for me to be satisfied. Yes, wrong, sinful. But Jesus sees that desire factory going crazy. And he wants to say, I am what you're looking for. And I'm telling you, that's what I do in my relationships when I'm getting way off track. When I'm losing my cool, when I am very obviously in sin in my relationships, is because I need you to X, Y, and Z for me. And if not, I spin out of control and I steal your joy. And I'm okay if your joy is cut into. Doesn't bother me. You see, Jesus sees her grasping by whatever means to be satisfied. He hates her sinful grasping, but he enters in to us, to our lives, to be the grasper, to grasp us, to take our hearts, to be the one to shape us, form us, change us, to, if you would, to, you, to steal away our heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh, a dead for a living. Jesus is the one. Genesis 3.24, Genesis 3.24 says this, and this is God in the garden with Adam and Eve after they had sinned. He drove out the man, and at the east, mankind, Eve wasn't hanging out too, it was Adam and Eve, drove him out drove him out of the garden. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim in a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. I heard it said years ago, and I thought, Is that what happened? I don't know. It's symbolism. It's not this. This is real. This is happening. I believe it. I believe there's a garden of Eden. I believe there's a tree. I believe there's an angel. I believe there's a sword. But Jesus himself, if you would, Jesus himself says, the only way back into the garden is for me to be cut in two. And he did that for us on the cross. The wisdom of the Lord in his scriptures. I believe that. I believe there's a correlation. I believe there's something. He died, and it's different. It's not direct correlation of that passage, but he did. It's as if the Father said, "World, bring your sword, and I'll also bring my sword." And the son said, "I will come, and I will be sacrificed." so that they can live. I don't need them for my joy. I've had eternal joy from the beginning. I humbled myself and came to this world not to, not to gain some joy, but to love on people. That's my joy is to do that. He emptied himself. He didn't empty himself of his knowledge, of his power. He emptied himself of people seeing very clearly that he is the all-glorious one. It only broke through a few times. You see it in his miracles a bunch. But when he's born, you have angels singing. When he's on the Mount of Transfiguration, you have other people coming. Now, there's times, but most of the time when Jesus lived on earth, his 33 years or so of life, People were like, isn't that the, like, the, not like the carpenter? Isn't that like the dude? It wasn't like people bowing down all the time. He emptied himself of his glory. But he did not empty himself of his love for the Father, his obedience to the Father. And he did not empty himself of his love for us. And he willingly went to the cross for us. He willingly said, cut me into for them you see the animal in the garden of eden also being cut into the skin removed so that adam and eve could be clothed of their nakedness jesus is the one for us that is cut into he is the one that was cut into for both moms and for us Philippians helps us to see that Jesus' sacrifice secures us, gives us a place at the table, invites us in to be a part of the family. We all long to belong. We all long to be in the family, to be loved, to be thought for, to be sacrificed for, to be important to someone, to be loved eternally. Jesus does that for us on the cross and through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus' sacrifice secures us for our eternal relationship and relationships. He secures for us a relationship with him, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he secures for us an eternal relationship with each other. Nick and Ben, we love Jesus. And, and you do too. I see these guys. It's not just for here. We get to eternally be with each other. We get to know each other for eternity. My wife, my kids. Jesus' death secures an eternal relationship. And he calls me in this world to be sacrificial in those relationships. Give, give for their good. Give for their good. His sacrifice gives us hope for our relationship. The only way I want to be able to do this, it's not just by following his example, but it's truly that he has given me a new heart that beats, that cares, that can be convicted, that can be empowered, that can give, that can love, that can serve, that can sacrifice. He gives us the hope for our relationships. Because all the books I read, that's not my hope. It's helpful. <laughs> but Jesus is really the only way that I'm going to be able to love you well, love my family well. And it's not that y'all, are, it's that y'all are difficult people. It's just I need Christ. His example of sacrifice is to be our posture with one another, humility. Humility. It may not always feel like you're grasping for glory, But that's often what it looks like when you're not serving someone. You should be serving me. I think I'm here. You're here. Serve me. Help me. Sacrifice for me. But we are to take the posture of humility and for the good of others, serve and sacrifice for them. Jesus and his ways will help us to live sacrificially with with each other. So, Jesus receiving of my punishment, it reminds me not to exact punishment from you. I can't say, yeah, Lord, but, but he this, he that. I can't say it. He, he did this. He did that. Will you help me to forgive? Will you help me to love? I cannot exact punishment from this person because the, the truth is, the truth is either Jesus Fully receives the punishment of God, or one day that person will receive the full punishment and wrath of God. It is not our place. It is not our place. By his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah 53 says this Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, knew, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him in no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. You see it. You see that humbling coming to the earth, Jesus. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. All, all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put to grief. him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, transgressors yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors transgressors and then we see Jesus himself we see Jesus himself what Luke preached on last week about prayer we see Jesus teaching us how to pray so Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus who he is how he was seen what he went through and then Jesus with the disciples says pray like this our father in heaven hallowed be your name he knew what was about to happen to him and he said hallowed be your name your name receive the glory He knew he was about to be cut in two, so to speak. He knew he was about to drink every drop of the wrath of God that was in the cup. He knew that, and he said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What I love about this prayer, when I think about sacrificial relationships, especially when it comes to the community of believers, the community of faith, Is that Jesus doesn't just say, pray like this, my father, like you'll need to say Jesus' father. No, he says, our father. I just think the dudes were like, wait, what? He just told us we can just say, hey, father, that was huge. But we get to together say, our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Help us to sacrifice for one another. Help us to serve one another. But you know what? I need your daily bread. I need you to be the one to give me the energy, the power, the knowledge, the understanding, the desire, the mercy, the grace to love others And to receive the love of others. Give me this day everything I need for life and godliness. Give me this day my daily bread. Give us this. And forgive us our debts. Forgive us. You have. Would you you help us to be forgiven? And we also have forgiven our debtors. Let us forgive others. And lead us not in temptation to temptation deliver us from evil. The Lord's Prayer is full of community coming together as family and serving and loving each other. How can we best live sacrificially in our relationships? So our mission statement at Legacy Church, if you're new here, uh, this is going to be new for you. Uh, Our mission statement uh, embodies, I think, the answer to sacrificially living in our relationships. Enjoy Jesus, investing in others, and multiplying disciples in all of life. Enjoy Jesus. When you read Philippians, when you read the word, do you enjoy Christ? Do you see what he has done for you? Do you want to know him? Do you want to make him known? It begins with enjoying Jesus. That's the only way that I really can invest in others. If I'm not enjoying Jesus, my investment in others, it really, I don't know what the real end goal is for us. It's got to be driven by an enjoyment of Christ, a surrendering to Christ, His way, and then multiplying disciples in all of life. Multiplying disciples in all of life is going to require a lot of sacrifice from us within our, within our families, within our community groups, within our community on mission groups for us to look at each other and say, hey, how are we living in such a way sacrificially to take care of each other but living on mission so that the lost in, in, around us in Knoxville will know Christ? Am I starting any kind of new relationships with people and building those relationships? Help me. It's hard for me. The only way you will live sacrificially in your relationships is by embracing Jesus' sacrifice for you. Before you can invest in others and multiply disciples in all areas of life, you must be invested into by Jesus himself, by the Father, the Holy Spirit. You must lay before the feet of Jesus, whether it's two or three times a week, every morning, in in God's word, whatever it is, but continually through the day. Lord, help me. I lay at your feet. Would you help me? John 4, 13 says this. Jesus said to her, this is the woman at the well. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus, if you're a believer, Jesus is our living water. If you are not a believer, Jesus can be your living water. You desire to be satisfied. The sacrifice has been made. Jesus has emptied himself, come into this world, lived a perfect life that you cannot live, Sacrificed in relationships in such a way that we can see, he died on a cross showing us that he is the example of sacrifice. And, but he rose from the dead, saying, "I, my sacrifice was a worthy sacrifice and an accomplishing sacrifice. It is something can actually save you and help you." Jesus says, "Come to the living water." So I've got a I've got this big old cup of water. Let me take a sip. This big old cup of water. If you would imagine, if you would imagine this cup of water representing Jesus as the living water, just representing Christ as the living water. Jesus says, He's the living water. If you drink from me. And so, very simply, I need to drink. So here's a straw. So here's the living water. If I'm not a believer, I need to initially drink of Christ. Save me. Give me life. Thank you for your sacrifice. I need you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Give me yourself. Thank you, Jesus. I drink from him. And then as a believer, I don't just only live forgiven. I live for Christ, day in and day out, for him pouring into me. But how does he pour? I believe through his word. He says, drink of me through my word. So this straw will represent just the Bible. Knowing God through his word. There's multiple ways of doing that listening to the Word, reading the Word, memorizing the Word, studying the Word, on and on, and meditating, thinking on these scriptures. You can pray. We, last week, prayer. We get to talk to the Creator of the universe. So we pray, we drink from His Word. Change me, help me, Lord. Help me. We pray to him. We're drinking from him. I get to talk to you. Forgive me. Help me. Help me adore you. Help me to live for you. I thank you for this. Lord, would you do this for my friends? Would you do this for my church? We get to come together with each other in fellowship this morning, in our calm groups, in our DNA time, in our friendships with Christians in other places. We get to come together and drink from Christ through fellowship. Jesus is there with us. And we get to invite people into this that don't know Christ. When we're drinking from Christ through fellowship, but we also get to drink from Christ when we share the good news of Jesus with other people. We are drinking in of Christ, being filled up in a natural A supernatural response to that is that we would tell our friends, our family, our neighbors, the people at the gym, the people on our team, the people in our class, we would tell them about Jesus. You've heard it said when you're pointing your finger at someone, three fingers are pointing back at you. I promise you, when you share the gospel with somebody, you are reminded, he saved me. He gave me life. I'm for real. I'm for real. Come to Jesus. So when you're sharing the gospel, you're also drinking this living water and being reminded, but you are giving out the bread of life. You are giving out water that is eternal. And Jesus is glorified in that. So I believe that it's a simple way of, thinking how can I live sacrificially with others is enjoying Christ, enjoying Christ through his word, through prayer, through encouragement with one another and through sharing the gospel and in other ways so that I can know him but so that I can invest in others and so that we can make disciples in all areas of life it's going to require sacrifice but I believe that he is worth it and I believe that one day when we're sitting around heaven together hanging out in the new earth I have no idea what that's going to be like it's gonna be good that you are never going to think I hated that I sacrificed like that for my wife it's, you're just not. And you're definitely never going to look at Jesus and say, I, I hate it that you sacrificed for me. You're going to see it. You're going to know it. So we get to, right now, not just practice something. We get to, we get to do something. This is the only place we really get to do this. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be good, but I'm not going to, it's not going to feel sacrificial. It's going to feel pure and holy. I'm going to serve. I'm going to, I'm going to open the door for you. I'm going to do things for you. You're going to do things for me. It's going to be wonderful and great. But this is the place where it's going to feel like heavy, burdensome sacrifice. Jesus will give us the power and the grace and the mercy to do that.